another Soul of America radio broadcast. Tonight's episode is Let's Straighten It Out, starring Dr. Bo, also known as Big Easy. Big Easy helps you work out and foster healthy relationships. Tonight's show is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio and hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. And now, without any ado, we take you directly to Let's Straighten It Out with Dr. Bo. Good evening, folks. Welcome to another episode of Let's Straighten It Out. This is Dr. Bo, a.k.a. Big Easy. I'm flying solo tonight, so it's going to be a little schizophrenic trying to talk and run the board at the same time. My trusted sidekick, Denise, is not feeling well tonight, so we want to hope that she gets better soon and can get back with us. Uh, Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about a topic that hopefully will relate to some folks. There's been a lot of focus on the Trayvon Martin case recently, and all of the focus has been on the injustice that people are frustrated about with uh, Zimmerman not being arrested. But although the family has been on the air a lot and in the news, they haven't really had a chance to begin the process of grieving this significant loss of their child. And so tonight we're going to be talking about a parent's grief or the ultimate loss and talk about some of the things that are related to what it's like for a parent to go through the loss of a child, what are some things they can do to help themselves, uh, what are some things we can do uh, to help them to get through this loss. And so that's going to be our topic um, Parents' Grief, the Ultimate Loss. If you want to join in, you can tune in to www.soulofamericaradio.com or you can call in 323-784-9638. So please call in and share your thoughts, raise questions, make comments. You can do it either online or to call in on the phone. I want to start out with sharing a couple of quotes that I ran across. Uh, One says, grieving is a necessary passage and a difficult transition to finally letting go of sorrow. It is not a permanent rest stop. When you experience grief, it's going to be different for everybody, and it's not something that will have a definite beginning and end. It's more of a transition that you get through, so it's not like you're going to just get to a certain point and that's the end of it. The other quote that I want to share with you is a quote by Harriet Shift, who wrote a book entitled The Bereaved Parent. And this quote says, The reality is that we don't forget, move on, and have closure, but rather we honor, we remember, and incorporate our deceased children and siblings into our lives in a new way. In fact, keeping memories of your loved one alive in your mind and heart is an important part of your healing journey. And that's very important that we see 
grief and bereavement as a healing journey that takes place over a period of time. When you lose someone significant in your life, you're not going to forget the you not you're not going to forget about them. You're going to have a lot of positive memories, and you want to hold on to those memories, and you want to honor the person, and that's very difficult for a parent. And that's what we want to focus on tonight: is how is coping with the death of a child different from coping with other losses, and why is that so diff- difficult for parents? Dealing with the death of a child is probably the most difficult experience imaginable, and without being a parent who's experienced that loss, you can only imagine the pain and suffering that these people endure. I know several folks personally who have lost children, and it's a long-term struggle of trying to overcome that loss, to deal with the grief. Oftentimes it's difficult for the people around them because sometimes you just don't know what to say. You can't comfort them enough, and part of that is because there's nothing you can do or say that's going to make that pain go away, and it's a long-term process that each person goes through. And so as you think about the difficulty of a parent dealing with the loss of a child, that's different because it's just out of the order, the natural order of life. When we think about life and how things happen, we expect for the child to bear the parent, not for the parent to bear the child. So when a parent loses a child, it throws their life into turmoil because it just is opposite of what we normally would expect. So that's one reason that is very difficult for a parent to deal with the loss of a child is because it's puts things out of order. It disrupts the natural order of things. The other reason is that the parent-child relationship is probably the most profound attachment that we have. Uh, This unconditional love that we have for our children is just so different from any other love relationship or attachment relationship that we have. And when you think about this issue of attachment, a lot of children that have emotional and behavioral problems and a lot of people that have relationship problems have these problems because they didn't develop the proper attachment or a healthy attachment with their parent, which in most cases is going to be the mother because the mother is the one that gives birth. The mother is the one that typically nurtures the child. So that mother-child bond is going to be more powerful than any other bond we will ever experience in our lifetime. And for that bond to be broken prematurely can be quite overwhelming for the parent, particularly the mother. So as we think about Trayvon Martin's parents and what they're going through, I think they have been tremendously uh, calm in dealing with this, although there are times when they become a little emotional when you think about just the pressure of being in front of the media with all the lights and the cameras and microphones stuck in your face and people asking questions, their grieving is going to be a little bit delayed because of all of the focus on the media. And when we talk a little bit later about the grief process, one of the things is that initially you are going to be a little bit shocked and dismayed by what's going on. And these parents are going to be 
front and center for quite a while as all this hoopla continues to go on about what should or shouldn't happen uh, with uh, Zimmerman. And so these parents experiencing the most um, significant loss in their life uh, with the loss of their child uh, are going to have a delayed reaction because they can't really start their grieving until they can get out of the media and have a little time to themselves and to not have to be confronted with this every day. Another thing that happens with parents when they lose a child, and I think this can be particularly true of the of Trayvon's parents, is there's a certain amount of anger that goes with that because it's an injustice, just like the injustice of the person who killed this young man not being arrested, these parents are having to deal with a double dose of injustice because not only are they faced with the injustice of the man that killed their son not being arrested, there's a certain amount of injustice in just the idea of losing a child at such an early age. And a part of what happens when you're grieving and bereaved is there's a certain amount of anger that goes along with that. There's a certain amount of frustration because you're trying to make sense out of it. Uh, there is no logical reason uh, for this happening. You can blame it on what people perceive as racism, the profiling, uh, the negative stereotypes, and all those things are true. But even looking at that, there's no logical explanation that can make the pain and suffering of losing a child go away. And so as we think about these parents and other parents who have lost their child, it doesn't really matter what the cause of death is. Um, I guess the only one that is more difficult to cope with than murder is if your child commits suicide. But in this case, the cause of death was someone shot and killed their son. And so there's going to be a certain amount of anger that goes along with that, and this family has to be able to learn to cope with that. So if we think about what would it be like, what is it like for these parents uh, going through this major loss in their life, and what is it like when you are confronted with that type of a loss, how do you cope with it? So as we go through tonight, we'll look at some things that parents can do to help them to cope with a significant loss like that and to try to make some sense of it. It's not going to be logical, but uh, there are some explanations. Um, in addition to the feeling of anger and injustice, sometimes the parents go through a certain amount of guilt. Um, what could we have done to prevent this? Um, and so that's normal for someone to feel a certain amount of guilt when this happens. But what people have to remind themselves is that if you had the ability or the capacity to present to prevent this from happening, then you would do it. So the fact that it happened is an indication that it's something really beyond the control of a parent, but that doesn't stop a parent from thinking um, that they're somehow to blame. They start second-guessing decisions that they've made. They start thinking back about what they could have or should have done different. But that guilt... Um, sometimes turns into blame. Uh, they blame themselves, they blame others, and unfortunately sometimes that can put a profound strain on a marriage because you're having both parents uh, dealing with the guilt and the blame, 
and sometimes they start blaming each other. But that won't make the pain go away, and that's something that is very important. So if a couple is faced with the loss of a child, uh, there are certain things they need to be mindful of because uh, sometimes that can really tear the couple apart. And it's a pretty ambivalent um, situation to be in. On the one hand, you want to pull together and to support each other, but sometimes if you're not careful, the blame and the finger pointing can um, get mixed in there, and it puts a big strain on the relationship. Another thing that happens is that oftentimes friends and families just don't really know what to do or say, and so they sometimes will avoid the parents because of the awkwardness that they feel when they are around the parents and not knowing what to say. And in those instances, the most important thing is to just be there. And sometimes you don't really have to say anything, just your presence, a pat on the back, a hug, or just a word of encouragement um, is all that you need to say. Sometimes people can't handle and don't want a lot of interaction. They want to have some time to themselves. But even the parents who are grieving goes through a certain amount of ambivalence. Uh, There's a part of them that wants to um, be involved, and then there's a part of them that wants to pull away. And so it's very important for people to be mindful that as they go through a situation like this where they're experiencing a major loss like that, you have to take each case on a case-by-case basis. Each person is going to be different. Each family is going to be different. So even if the circumstances might be similar, each individual and family needs to realize that this is a unique journey that only they can take, and it has to be done in their time and in their way. So as we think about this, we want to share some other thoughts with you. We're going to take a break in a minute and come back and talk about the grief process and how that impacts how people cope uh, with the loss of a child. So again, welcome to Let's Straighten It Out. Uh, Call your friends, tell them to call in, 323-784-9638, or they can join us on the web at www.soulofamericaradio.com. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back shortly.
Tell them where they can get some soulful talk radio. Right here on the Soul of America Radio. Every Thursday night at 8 o'clock p.m. here on the Soul of America Radio, you be sure to tune in and listen to Dr. Bo, also known as Big Easy. Big Easy hosts a segment called Let's Straighten It Out, in which we work out or help you work out relationship issues, whether it's parent, child, friend, co-worker, or even the special love of your life. You can call Big Easy right here at 323-784-9638. 323-784-9638. Seven eight four nine six three eight. So throw everything else you got to do on Thursday nights at eight o'clock p.m. Central Time. Throw it out the window, and you tune in right here to the Soul of America Radio, and listen to Big Easy. back to square one and feel the pain 
and the suffering, and it's going to be like you've never made much progress. And a common phenomenon that people that deal with grief um, call thugs is sudden upsurges of grief uh, just out of nowhere. You're feeling okay, and all of a sudden uh, this, you're just overwhelmed by this grief, and that's very normal. Uh, you're going to have ups and, ups and downs, and as I said earlier, it takes different people different amounts of time, and although everybody who has experienced grief will go through this process, you have to remember that grief is a unique personal experience, and it's going to be different for every individual and for every family. There are some things that you'll find that will be common, but each person has to look at this as a unique journey that only they can take, and they have to find ways to give themselves time to get through that journey. Now, the most common model of the grief process or the stages of grief was developed by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross years ago, and there are basically five stages or five steps to this process. And the first one is shock or denial. You just can't believe this is happening. You say, well, this can't be happening to me. You're just kind of overwhelmed, and there's a certain amount of numbness that goes along with this stage, and that's part of the body's way of helping you to deal with the shock of your loss. And so that numbness helps you to get through that process, and that too will come and go. So initially it's just hard to believe that it's happening. Uh, you might feel like this is a dream. I'm going to wake up, and everything's going to be the way it was before. And sometimes people can get can get extremely confused during that time because you will have experiences that are surreal, and sometimes you just have no way of knowing how to cope with it. I can remember probably the most significant loss that I've experienced um, was the death of my grandmother uh, when I was about 16 or 17, and that was very uh, significant. And I can remember going through that period where I just couldn't believe it. And she lived next door to me, and I would go over every day, and I would find myself going over there, expecting her to be there, and I would come to my sense and say, well, she's not there anymore. So during this period of shock and denial, you just can't accept the reality of the loss, and you go through a lot of changes trying to cope with it. And that period could last for um, various periods of time, but the body has a way of protecting itself and defending itself, and that's why some people feel a certain amount of numbness during that period of time and will kind of shut down because you have so much going on physically and emotionally that it becomes overwhelming. Uh, the next stage, uh, according to Ms. Kubler-Ross, is one of anger. You know, it's why me? You know, why am I going through this? And you start trying to figure out, well, whose fault is it? And sometimes with that feeling of anger, it's not uncommon for people to even uh, feel anger toward God or to blame God, and especially when it's the loss of a child. Um, because that is not logical and it's out of the natural order of things, then it's not uncommon for a parent who is experiencing the loss of a child to feel anger toward their spouse or family members to feel anger toward God and to go through this why me 
uh, blaming, you know, whose fault is it, and it's a very confusing time. Um, the next stage in this uh, sequence is called bargaining, and sometimes you are thinking, if I can only get through this, I'm going to do such and such, and so you're kind of trying to make sense of it. You're still trying to make sense of this um, pain and suffering, and you are wanting to get it over with, and you're trying to, sometimes people try to force themselves to get past it too quick, and they start telling themselves things that might make them feel better, but if they don't feel like they're getting out of that rut quick enough, then that's when the bargaining escalates. But it's very common for you to go through cycles where you might go through the denial or the shock, and you go through the anger, you go to the bargain, and you go back and forth. So it's not sequential. You're going to go through shock, denial, anger, bargaining. The next one, which is depression, uh, during that period is not necessarily what we commonly call clinical depression, but there can be a lot of similarities as far as the symptoms that you experience. During this period, people tend to isolate themselves to avoid uh, social contact, to avoid things that remind them of the loss. And at some point, you have to acknowledge the loss. You have to acknowledge the reality of it, how long that takes you will vary from person to person. And it's important for people to not rush themselves. Um, you're going to experience mood swings. Uh, you might have a loss of energy. You know, get up and go, got up and went. You just don't have a lot of initiative to do things. You want to just veg out and then not be bothered. And that depression uh, is very common, and it's not permanent. Some people might feel it's permanent because when you're in the throes of grief and depression, sometimes you feel like this is never going to end. And if someone tells you that you'll get through it and that there will come a time when you won't feel that way, Sometimes it's very difficult for people to really believe that I'm going to um, get past there. Uh, we've got a caller that's got a question, so let's take this call from the 662 area code. So, caller, you want to make a comment? Hi, Dr. Bo. This is Tiki. How are you? Hey, Tiki. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How's it going? Oh, it's going fine. Uh, we can't get rid of this rain and thunderstorm, so I... Rather have that than the tornado stuff. So. <laughs> right, right. It's cloudy over here on my end as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sitting here listening uh, to your show and, and very, very compelling information. So thank you very much. Well, but um, I have a comment more, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a comment and a question. Mm-hmm. Um, it occurs to me, or it has occurred to me, that in situations of um, my personal loss. I heard you make the comment that sometimes we blame God. We mm-hmm. become angry with God, and mm-hmm. that is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, people do. That is <laughs> that is a major, probably one of the the number one, uh, if you can call God a culprit. <laughs> mm-hmm. But He gets blamed uh, for so much of the grief in our lives. But mm-hmm. is this because? of the way we as people, as a society of people, the way that we view death or the way that we view um, 
the finality of it, you know, working through my own personal grief of losing two brothers, mm-hmm. I I had to work it. You know, I started, it very much started with being angry with God, right? Mm-hmm. And I had to get to a place or an understanding where I came to realize that the people in our lives are loaned to us. Mm-hmm. They don't belong to us, you know what I'm saying? And we take that possessive ownership of people that we love and care about. Mm-hmm. And um, I have found since then, um, since having to deal with both of their deaths, that I have a different view on grief. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't grieve and will miss the people that I love or, you know, have have passed away. But someone was explaining something to me called a deeper grief. Mm -hmm. I know when my dad passed, uh, that pain didn't come close to what I felt upon um, experiencing my brother's Mm -hmm. death. And and I can understand it because my dad was my parent, Uh you know. But... Losing my brothers was uh, a life-altering, life-changing event right. in my life. So is it is it the way that we see grief and, and how much of our understanding of death in that process has uh, uh, plays a role in our ability to to get past the um the death of a loved one? I won't call it a loss. I've been yeah. taught not to say loss, but... Yeah you know, to get back past the death of a loved one and how how much does, um, you know, the way we see that in our own faith, mm-hmm. what what role, if any, do you think has um, to do with that? Well, I think death is confusing to folks. And although we know what happens when people die, I think it's still not well understood. And I think what it's common for people to blame God, but I think that there are some instances where that's more likely to occur. In this instance, for example, with Trayvon Martin, a lot of that anger is going to be towards Zimmerman because you have an individual that took his life. In the right. case where someone dies in an accident or from suicide or from an illness, I think in those instances there's going to be a tendency because you don't have an an object that took that life. And so sometimes people turn to, well, God, why did you let this happen? And some of it I think is impacted by their faith, whatever their faith might be. Um, But I think that it's sometimes confusing for folks of what happened. So it's very common for people to go through that process because I think that a lot of people think, well, why would God let something like this happen? Why would he take a child away instead of a parent? And dealing with a child or a sibling um, is more difficult because it is out of the order because we expect people as they get older to die, but when someone dies young, if it's a child or a sibling, then I think that's more difficult for us to make sense of it. So I think the blaming God is because we sometimes in the back of our mind and sometimes you know, it's more obvious. We act as if God, you know, sits around and makes these conscious decisions, um, and we're just kind of feeling singled out. And it's the why me mentality. 
and we don't realize that this is happening to a lot of people. And I think, you know, my personal belief is that sometimes uh, God allows things to happen because human beings make decisions independent of God, and we endure things. And it's like the example of Job, for example. Uh, he endured a lot of suffering, not because he was, you know, guilty or deserving, but because that was the lot that he, you know, got in life. But it's very common for people to go through that. It might be temporary because what happens also is that when people find themselves feeling anger toward God or blaming God, there's a certain amount of guilt that goes along with that. And depending on what your spiritual maturity is and how well you can deal with that, will influence how long you might struggle with that. So people, they go back and forth and go through this cycle of, you know, blaming God and anger, feeling guilty, feeling the shame, and it's just kind of uh, back and forth. But that's very common for people to blame God because they, somewhere in the back of their mind, they think, well, God shouldn't have let this happen. Or how can you be a loving God and allow me to be going through this pain? How can you take my child away? Now, I know some folks that had children. Uh, this one couple, their son, had a lot of promise. He was an exceptional student uh, academically, he athletically, socially, a leader in his class, and he was murdered, you know, at 16, 17 years old. And it was a senseless murder uh, by someone who actually was a relative. And they went through some severe pain and suffering, and they went through that of, the ambivalence and the blaming God, but feeling you know guilty about it, and uh, I think that's very common with people who um, experience the death of a child. But it could be from an older person, but that's very common. But I think some of it is because somewhere in the back of their mind they think, well, God shouldn't let this happen uh, to me, and so they start blaming Him. But you know, that's fairly common. And I think that, you know, most people that experience severe grief will at least temporarily go through that process. Right. Hmm. Wow. I know um, a lot of times people will say, you know, they just, like particularly in the the death of a child, like a small child, Mm -hmm. they can't reconcile. Well, and I've heard people actually say this. They cannot reconcile how um, God would allow something to happen to a child. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? As if, um, as if, as human beings, we have this belief or this feeling that His in- intervention on our behalf should always be there. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But in it, you know, really, when I begin to look at it. I had to take into consideration, like, the free will that we're given as Mm -hmm. people. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. the same free will that I have, you know, a murderer has. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, um, but, you know, I'll tell you, Dr. Ball, I was reading this book called The Shack, Mm -hmm. and it really helped me. Um, In The Shack, um, this gentleman, his daughter had been kidnapped and murdered. You know, mm-hmm. and he went through all the stages that you're talking about, and he would just have these rages mm-hmm. um, about his daughter. Number one, she was kidnapped, and they never found her, but they did find evidence that she may have not no longer be living. You mm-hmm. know, 
So he he goes through this this series of things. He goes through the, all these events. You know, his family is torn apart. You know, the the siblings, uh, the other children in the family, are blaming themselves for not having watched her close enough. You know, all this guilt. You know, the marriage is in trouble. It's just so much uh, that happens uh, when you lose a child. And of right. course, I haven't, but having seen people go through these things, it has always made me wonder. Um, are we experiencing death this way? Do we process it this way because we don't understand it, because the big mystery surrounding it, and we feel like it's so final? Well, I think we go through trying to make sense out of something that's not logical. It's not logical for the child to die first because right. we expect the parent to go first. And right. so, as, as you mentioned earlier, every relationship that we experience in life is given to us for a reason and for a season. And we don't always know what the reason is, and we don't know how long the season is going to be. And sometimes you have young children, for example, you think about some of these kids who have cancer and other diseases, and if you think about a lifetime of suffering, uh, in another way of looking at it, they're better off to not have to endure that suffering for their life for their loved ones to go through a period of suffering, but for them to not have to go through that. But I think with death, we're trying to make logical sense of it, and there's so much about death that we don't understand, that we don't know, and a part of it is that we're trying to make it logical, and sometimes it's just not going to be. Right. But I appreciate your comments, and um, hopefully you'll hang on, and we'll have some other folks. We've got some other people out there listening, but nobody's raising their hand to say anything, and uh, some (laughs) of them are from Alabama. So uh, come (laughs) on, folks, (laughs) join us. Uh, Thanks for your comments, and hold on and stay with us. Thank you. Okay, take care. You too. Okay, we were talking about the our grief process, and we had talked about depression. The final step in the model with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is acceptance, where you're somewhat at peace with the reality of the death, and you're beginning to move on, and some call it closure, but I don't think you ever reach closure in the sense of it's the end. You learn to cope with it differently. The pain may not be as severe the series might be further apart, but um, the thing is that although people experience most or all of these stages of shock and denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, it's not a neat sequential step-by-step package. You go back and forth uh, between these over a period of time. Another model was the Dr. Roberta Teens, uh, who wrote a book, Living with an Empty Chair, and dealt with uh, the loss of a child, had a three-stage model, which is somewhat similar to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, but her model was numbness, where we just kind of go through the mechanics of functioning every day, and we tend to isolate ourselves, which is similar to the shock and denial uh, with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. The second stage is disorganization, where you have this intense, profound feeling of loss, and that's similar uh, to the anger and bargaining uh, with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And then the third stage is the reorganization, where you are what 
she calls reentry into a more normal uh, social life. So either one of those models, if you look at it, you know, it's developmental. You go through these stages from the initial shock and numbness to being able to cope with it differently. And remember, folks, as I said earlier, this is not a neat, orderly, predictable sequence. Uh, this is something that will be different from everybody. So we're going to take another quick break, and I will be back shortly, and then we'll wrap up on what can some people do to help themselves to cope more with this. So we'll be back in a break. Every Thursday night at 8 o'clock p.m. here on the Soul of America Radio, you be sure to tune in and listen to Dr. Bo, also known as Big Easy. Big Easy hosts a segment called Let's Straighten It Out, in which we work out or help you work out relationship issues, whether it's parent, child, friend, co-worker, or even the special love of your life. You can call Big Easy right here at 323-784-9638. 323-784-9638. Seven eight four nine six three eight. So throw everything else you got to do on Thursday nights at eight o'clock p.m. Central Time. Throw it out the window, and you tune in right here to the Soul of America Radio, and listen to Big Easy. Okay, folks, uh, welcome back. We've got about 15 more minutes left, and we want to encourage you to call in and share your comments. We thank you, Tiki, for calling. Uh, the number is 323-784-9638, or join us on www.soulofamericaradio.com. We're talking about parents' grief, the ultimate loss. We've talked a little bit about the uh, grief process and just why uh, dealing with the loss of a child is so difficult because it's out of the natural order of things. So we want to spend the last 15 minutes talking about what are some things that you can do to help yourself cope uh, when you experience a loss, particularly of a child, but uh, really any loss. And even if it's not death, sometimes we go through a period of bereavement or grief uh, when we have major changes in our life uh, that might not be lost through death. It could be a loss because of some major change. Typically, when you experience uh, the death or the loss of a child or a loved one, the initial, the first symptoms or signs you're going to experience typically are going to be physical, uh, simply because of what happens with the body uh, when you're going through grief. You're going to have the grief, the depression. Uh, you might have symptoms of anxiety appetite and sleep disturbance or other somatic or physical symptoms. And at that point, it's very important for you to 
take care of your body, uh, to get adequate rest and sleep, uh, to eat properly, because a lot of times people are so caught up in their grief, they just don't eat or they don't sleep, and you have to be forced to do it. So you want to uh, avoid a quick fix. You don't want to get into uh, using alcohol or drugs to cope, except with the prescription medicine, or sometimes people might want to take something over the counter that uh, would be mild. But you have to take care of your physical needs because if you don't, uh, it kind of damages you emotionally. And so you can use meditation or relaxation uh, CDs, uh, warm milk and a hot bath to kind of help you relax. Uh, you can exercise to work off some of that stress uh, that you're dealing with. But it's very important that you take care of your physical needs and take care of yourself physically because your body will wear out if you're not careful. You're going through a lot of physical changes because of the somatic symptoms that go along with the grief and the depression. And if you don't nurture your body, then it can become pretty overwhelming, which gets into the emotional aspects is that not only do you have to take care of yourself physically, getting adequate sleep, eating properly, and doing things to help you to physically help yourself, you have to deal with your emotional needs. And I really encourage people don't get too caught up in the quote-unquote stages of grief because, as I said earlier, that's not a neat little sequential package, and you have to remember that it's going to be unique and different for every person. You get two people in the same family that's experienced the same loss, and they're going to deal with their grief differently emotionally. It's going to depend on what their typical personality traits are, their typical makeup, and how you deal with stress and change will be pretty consistent as you deal with grief. So don't think that you got to have this neat little sequential package with the uh, stages of grief. And you need to give yourself permission and time to grieve. You need to give yourself permission to be angry. Uh, you need to not blame yourself uh, because, as I said earlier, when you lose someone that's significant to you, if there was something within your power to prevent, prevent that from happening, then you would do it. So the fact that that person is dead, um, unless you did it yourself, there's really nothing that you can do. So blaming yourself only makes you feel worse. Uh, you want to find healthy outlets <clears throat> to cope with your mood swings and anger. Um, some of that could be through physical activity. Um, be prepared for those. Uh, sudden upsurges of grief, and you can deal with these things through uh, stress management. Uh, there's a lot of relaxation techniques, music uh, to help you to relax. Uh, some people who do things to symbolically deal with that loss, like planting a tree or building some type of a memorial uh, to their lost one. Uh, the symbolism of planting a tree is that it's a live uh, entity that will grow over a period of time and that can be a long-term memorial to that person. So it could be uh, planting a tree or a plant or it could be some other uh, memorial that you do to help you to acknowledge that loss and to get through it. Some people uh, do scrapbooks. They have um, scrapbooks of different pictures, uh, different mementos that belong to their loved one 
Um, they do uh, journaling, uh, writing down your thoughts and feelings. There are just a lot of different things that you can do to help you to cope with this emotional turmoil that is so common uh, when someone is um, bereaved. So, um, so we got another. Uh, let's see here. Do you want to make another comment, speaker? Hey, Dr. Rowe, are you talking to me? Oh, I thought you had to, that you wanted to get back on. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, no. I'm fine. I'm just listening. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I think that it's important for people to give themselves permission to take their time to get through this process and whatever it takes to help you get through the process, then it's important for you to take your time to do that, to deal with the emotional roller coaster that is so common uh, when you're dealing with grief and bereavement. And if you don't feel comfortable writing down your thoughts and feelings, uh, you can get a tape recorder and record your thoughts and feelings. And so these are things that you can do to help you to get through it. I think it's important for you to not beat yourself up too badly. What you do seems a little different, odd, or weird to those around you. I wouldn't worry about that too much. Uh, you have to find something that works for you. Other people might not understand, appreciate, or agree with it, but it's okay for you to be a little selfish at this point and to do things that work for you and not feel like you got to get so caught up in pleasing other people. And I think it's important for you to claim your faith, whatever that faith might be. Uh, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about spiritual uh, renewal. And so whatever your faith is, you need to claim your faith and use that to help you to deal with it. Uh, it's not uncommon to go through this um, the emotional turmoil that we talked about earlier or question God and you know, wonder, why did you let this happen to me? There are no easy answers when it comes to uh, the death of a loved one. Uh, even if you know logically or intellectually what happened, uh, emotionally and spiritually, that takes a little bit longer for you to uh, get through it. And you have to be patient with yourself as well as with others. Uh, sometimes people do things that might seem a little insensitive or awkward, but Sometimes it's because people just don't know what to do or say. They want to make you feel better. They want to make the pain go away, but they feel powerless. You yourself might feel powerless. So I think that whatever your faith, you can use prayer and meditation. Uh, sometimes people have to seek spiritual counsel from someone who is trained and experienced um, in dealing with that. A lot of funeral homes uh, provide that service as a part of their service to the family, but it's important at this point that you hang on to whatever your spiritual beliefs are. It's important for you to not avoid whatever your usual uh, spiritual activities are. Sometimes because people might be angry or questioning God, they tend to isolate themselves or avoid uh, spiritual activities, but that's really the time that you need it to help you to uh, get through that time. So whatever your faith is, it's important for you to claim it to help you uh, to get through that uh, difficult period. I also think that it's very important for people to be a little selfish and pamper yourself. Uh, do something 
uh, special for yourself. Uh, find something that you um, wanted to do and do it. Uh, sometimes something that simple can help you to get to the next stage. I think it's important for you to acknowledge your loss, and that can be done through the journaling, uh, through recording your thoughts and memories, through um, other things that you do. Uh, that might not happen right away. It might not be easy uh, because you'll go through that period, as I mentioned earlier, where you just can't believe that it happened and you wish that it didn't happen, but it's important for you to be patient with yourself and to be a little selfish at this point and do what you need to to help you to get through that period. And other people just have to be patient with you and to uh, try to understand during this time when you're going through a period of severe grief or bereavement, I think it's important for you to postpone making any major decisions or changes. Uh, obviously, there are decisions that have to be made in regards to uh, settling um, the burial or funeral services and dealing with the state issues and a lot of legal stuff uh, that happens, and hopefully you have someone to help you to deal with that, but it's important to not make any major decisions or changes until you find yourself coping with that a little differently. And in addition to doing things to take care of yourself, this would be a good time to um, engross yourself in whatever your hobbies are. Some people uh, get involved in work just to kind of keep them busy and to keep their mind off of the loss. So Whatever it takes to help you to get through that process, it's important for you to be selfish and to deal with it. And the last thing, which is oftentimes the most difficult, it's important for you to stay involved with your friends, family, and loved ones to allow them to provide that emotional support and nurturing that you need. Now, there are always going to be some folks um, that you avoid and some of these, it's easy to know who they are because they're the same ones you might want to avoid uh, during regular times. But you want to take advantage of people that are there for you that can help you to get through this period and to not isolate yourself because when you isolate yourself, you run the risk of aggravating the depression and uh, the grief. And so you want to allow people to provide that support for you and accept their uh, invitations. You can set limits because sometimes you're not going to feel like it, but sometimes you have to push yourself uh, to do that. So if you are a parent who is dealing with the loss of a child particularly, but uh, when you're dealing with the loss of any loved one, it's important for you to take the steps to take care of yourself and to remember that it's an individual personal journey, and sometimes uh, people won't understand or appreciate what you're going through. Uh, sometimes people won't know what to say. Um, if you're a family member or a friend and you're trying to support someone who is going through the loss of a child or who's bereaved, remember that sometimes all you need to do is just be there for them and don't feel like you've got to do anything in particular except to have your presence known, and to let them know that you're there for them. Uh, there are a lot of websites uh, where you can go to uh, get additional information. There are a lot of books out there. 
uh, one book that's a pretty easy read. It's called Good Grief, uh, and it helps you to understand what you're going through physically and emotionally when you are uh, experiencing grief or bereavement. But uh, we appreciate you joining in and listening in tonight, um, and we encourage you to come back next week. Uh, we'll have something different next week, but uh, we appreciate the opportunity to share some information with you. Hopefully it has been helpful. And feel free to call in, 323-784-9638. Let us know what your interests are, uh, some topics that you might want to listen to. And also feel free to call in uh, when we are on next week. So thanks again. This is Dr. Bo of Big Easy. Uh, we're going to sign out for tonight, and we will be seeing you next week. So have a great week. Those of you that are dealing with the storm, take care. Thank you.